Hey, O Club, it's your host, Brad Silliker, coming at you before we get into this episode to let you know that due to some technical error, um, I have no idea what happened, but we lost the episode that was supposed to come out today. And so we're digging deep back into the library for the, uh, the fabled, the rumored extra episode that never aired. It was recorded. It might have been the second episode we ever recorded, and then we held on to it uh, in case there was ever a need. And, and now... It, we're here. It's that time. And so uh, we're going to release this episode and it's going to maybe even answer a few questions because I think we've referenced stuff in this episode a few times, um, especially around the, the hypothetical questions that we've been doing. So I hope that you can enjoy the episode and we'll we'll get this. <laughs> I guess we'll have to re-record the episode we, we were supposed to put out and we'll get that to you for next week. Enjoy. Guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Oxford Holy Club podcast. Glad that you've chosen to join us again. And I'm joined again today by a fan favorite. People have been quoting him. He's all over the internet right now. You can't get on Google without seeing this guy's name somewhere. So let's give a big Oxford Holy Club welcome to our special guest, Lucas Candy. Welcome back to the show, Lucas. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. I'm so excited to hear about our fan. <laughs> the the one fan? Yeah. Yep. Well, we have one, and that fan actually texted me a picture of their child putting seatbelts on their ears, and uh, that, that made my day. So, fan, if you're listening, thank you. We love you. Um, tell, tell somebody else about the show. Let's double our fan base. That's right. Double down. Double down on the fan base. Well, if you, uh, listener, if you've listened before, if you've been with us from the beginning, you remember uh, Lucas has been on the show before and we've shared some of our um, anecdotes and, and some stories um, about our friendship and different things. And so we're not going down that path today. Uh, what we really want to get into today is just looking at some different questions that have come up on the internet and questions that have come up uh, from different, different people that have sent them in. We want to spend some time answering those questions questions. As well, we're going to look at one of the questions that John Wesley and the Oxford Holy Club also asked themselves when they would meet. So Lucas, why don't we get the ball rolling? Um, you've got before you some of the questions that have come up. So why don't you throw us a question and then we'll spend some time talking about it. Uh, well, Brad, one I, I really liked, actually, it's uh, one of the first ones on the list here. It's the question is, is it mean to go to youth if you're not a Christian? Um, is so, it mean? Is it mean? Like, is it a mean thing to do to go to youth, uh, like youth group, or to go to church for that matter, if you're not a Christian already? And I like this because it kind of makes. I, at first, I, I said that's a weird question, but actually, it, it isn't because um, some people can view the church or youth group like a club. Like, you know, think of it like, you know, skiing, right? Like sure, it would sure, be sure. it would be wrong to go to Poli Mountain if you didn't have a ski pass. Like if you're not part of the club, you shouldn't be there. Um, but that's not the point of youth group, right? And and you can speak to that better than I can. What do you feel the purpose of youth group is? I, uh, it's a great question. And and I, I hear what they're saying. I think you're right. If it was a club, if it was something like that, sure, I, I can understand. But the whole purpose of the church and the whole purpose for you know youth groups specifically, which is where this question is coming from, is for people that don't know who Jesus is to be able to get to um, be introduced to him, just to be able to start um, asking those questions and, and being around other people that have, that have a relationship with Jesus. So to me, I, I know for my own ministry with youth, it brings me nothing but joy to see more people there that don't know Jesus than that do, uh, because it's an opportunity to share Jesus with them. Um, so to me, if you're not a Christian, and you're thinking, hey, you know, if you're a teen and you're looking, there's a youth group that's meeting and you're like, you know, but I'm not a Christian. So should I really be going? Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. you should. Um, 
it is a great place, not just for community and uh, a safe place to be, but I promise you, if you would open yourself up and allow, um, allow yourself just to, to listen and take it in and, and, and don't go in with any preconceived ideas, um, I guarantee you that your life can be changed uh, from a relationship with Jesus. And if there's anybody out there who finds that they're at a church that feels like they only want, you know, Christian people or good people, I'm doing air quotes here, uh, in the church or in the youth group, that's the wrong kind of church. You know, uh, Jesus did not say, you know, go out and make a church and make it like this holy huddle and maybe build a wall around it and then, you know, put a dome over top and, and keep everybody safe from the outside world. That's not what the church is about. The church is not a building. It's a group of people that's meant to go out into the world uh, and and share the love of Jesus. And, and you know, it's, and it's great to bring people in and share the love of Jesus. That's what we're about. We're about going out and sharing why we think this whole Christian thing is worth it. You're right. And you made an excellent point. Uh, it was actually a point I made tonight with uh, one of our teens and that it's that the church is the people. When, when Jesus said that, you know, he was establishing his church, he wasn't establishing a denomination. He wasn't establishing a, a building it was the people. The people are the church. So if, if you're a Christian and you're listening, you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants his church to go out into the world and to share him, make him famous with, with other people. And yes, we have the buildings and, and all of that. And, and those are important and those have their place. Um, but if those take priority over us being the church, then we've got some things um, messed up. Mm-hmm. Another question, though, that I think kind of goes with this that uh, that another teenager has sent in is, why is God so great? Why is God so great? So I'm going to rephrase that. Why is the person who created the universe so great? Um, why is the person who created the world and the Grand Canyon and, you know, uh, love letters and puppy dogs and why is that great? And <laughs> and you can fill in the, why do you think those things are great? And kind of fill in the answer yourself. It's, it's a big question. Like in some ways it's simple, but in some ways it's really hard to answer because it's why is God great? Because he loves us and he knows everything about you. And that's the thing. Like it's easy to love someone that you don't know that well, or, you know, someone that uh, doesn't know, you know, all your faults, but God knows all your faults. He knows that thing that you're really embarrassed about. No, yeah, that thing. He knows about it and he loves you anyway. Um, And there's nothing you can do to make that, make it so he wouldn't love you. And that's what makes God great because there's not many people on this planet that will love you if they know kind of the true you. And And sometimes you don't even love yourself if, you know, depending on what you've been up to and stuff like that. I see there's... Some of this question, I think, is a little bit subjective, too. Uh, You Mm -hmm. could almost add to this question, why is God so great to you? Or why is God so great to me? And I think when we look at answering a question like that, we can get into the the, what we would call testimonies, the stories that we would share to explain Mm -hmm. how God is so great. But uh, and 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 we could share those forever. I can in in a nutshell, I would just tell you God is so great to me because he's transformed my life in a way that I could have never imagined. And, um, and, and, and my family, my parents, both, um, my wife, my children, uh, God is in the transforming business. And, um, and so that's, that's one reason why God is so great to me. If you want to get into some of the characteristics of God and what make him great, uh, then I would encourage you to open up your Bible and, uh, you can just kind of you can kind of go through all of scripture and see different examples of, you know, talking about his holiness. I would encourage you to look these things up. Don't just take what I'm saying or what Lucas is saying. Um, Go to the Bible and and look this stuff up. There's all kinds of descriptors, you know, that he is love, that his very characteristic is love. That makes him great. You know, Lucas mentioned he's the creator of the universe. That makes him great. There's whether or not you or I have an experience with him, he is still great. Um, but I also have that experiential um, knowledge of his greatness in my own life. 
So that's a really good question because a lot of people look, well, why is, why is God so great? You know, and they've got their different things that they're involved with and that they think are awesome. And they want to know why we think God is so great. So it's a really good question and a good one to be prepared to answer. Um, mm. Thank you, listener. If, uh, if you're listening, that was a really excellent question. Um, here's a question, Lucas. Yep. I found this one on Yahoo Answers. Oh no. And that's, yeah, that's where you really get, Yahoo Answers is really where you get those quality, you know, those quality, those, those quality questions, those deep thinkers. That's and so, what the internet's known for, quality deep thinkers on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and listener, you found that niche market right now, that little corner of the internet with the deep thinkers, the sages uh, of this postmodern time. Anyway. Here's the question. I'm going to read it the way it was written because I think that adds some context. <clears throat> my dad won't give me back my iPod back. Because you don't speak English so good. Ooh. My <laughs> need a little more practice. My, my, how, are you, how have you asked your dad? That, that's, my, what, I, that's my question. What structure to the sentence, you know, my dad won't give me back my iPod back? Back iPod, Dad. Dad, my iPad back. Why not, Dad? Back iPod now. Maybe uh, is there a little bit of Yoda in this? I was thinking caveman, but yeah, I think Yoda's more kind of you know iPod back now. My, I don't. Yeah, do or do not. There is no iPod. There is no. Oh, maybe that's the dad's response. Maybe that's exactly what's going on. The dad, do or do not. There is no iPod. Uh, so, um, why won't your dad give you back your iPod back? I, I don't know, frankly. Maybe you haven't asked properly. Um, why did he take it in the first place? Listen, let's get real. Why? Why did he take it? What did you do with that iPod that made your father take it? Fortnite? Were you buying skins on Fortnite? Is your dad's credit card hooked to that? Is that what's happening? Uh, fun little story to jump in here. There is a student who goes to my school who will remain nameless, who like, I don't know, two or three years ago, whenever Clash of Clans was a thing, um, he was on his phone and he found out that there was some kind of a hack. You know, those, you could buy those gems for real money that were worth like, you know, they speed everything up or whatever. Anyway, there was some kind of a hack that he would just press the thing and it would give it to him like for free. Like they weren't charging him for it. So he bought a bunch of them because who knows when they're going to fix that problem. Uh, only problem was it wasn't a problem. It was hooked up to his dad's credit card oh, and he spent $1,600 oh on God. Clash of Clans uh, gems. So, Yeah. So that's part of his inheritance, hopefully. What? I don't know. Did, <laughs> were they able to resolve that? Did they get their money back? Oh, they did not because, I mean, he bought those gems. So, yeah. $1,600? Yeah, I think, I believe that was the number. Yes. Harmony bought a $60 game on Xbox once that I already owned, but she bought it digitally. And I was upset about that, but she was too young to scold. It was more my fault. This person was not wow. too young to scold. Wow. <laughs> um, we have another Yahoo answer that we can we can kind of maybe save to the end. Um, sure. Here's another question that was asked, and and I I love this question. Do you think that being a Christian is worth it? I've I, I heard it one time at camp. I heard somebody put it this way, and it's not probably the way you'd want to. To present it to people, like at like camp, on a, maybe like on a podcast. Well, maybe not, but I I did find it thought provoking. And this person said, "You know what? If at the end of my life I found out that the whole Christianity thing was just like one big goof and it's not true, it would still be worth it to live the life of a Christian." Hmm. And and I've thought of that before because obviously I do believe it's true, and that's and this guy did too. Um, I do believe it's true, but. Same thing. Like if I found it at the end that like ah the whole thing wasn't worth it, I I'm like 
yeah, that, I'm fine with that. Like the, the, it makes me live a better life. Like, Oh no, I, I love people too much. Like I could, I could have been more self-centered, you know, if only, if only I had known, I would have thought of myself more and other people less, you know? Uh, so to me, it just the, the, the kind of framework it lays out for you, um, from just from a practical side and I'll turn it over to Brad for the spiritual side, but for the practical side, just the life that you live when you're doing it the way that you're supposed to, or at least trying to, um, the benefits far outweigh any costs there might be. Um, in, in my experience, I've always found this life to be, I mean, there's certainly, there's, there's just, there's stuff that you don't do, but the, the secret is the, the re, anything that the Bible tells you not to do, there's a reason for it. That's a guardrail that's there. It's like when I tell my daughter, don't touch the barbecue. And she's like, well, what do you know? And touches the barbecue. You know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, dad seems a little wiser than she thought a minute ago. Um, yeah. It's the same thing. Like everything there, whether you like it or not, is there for a reason and is is looking for your long term benefit. So that's from a strictly practical side. Is Christianity worth it? And I'll turn it over to you for the youth uh, pastor uh, answer. Well, is it worth it? I think this, especially based off of what you just said, um, with the, you know, people get sometimes caught up on, well, if I'm a Christian, it means I can't do these things and I don't get right. to do that. And, and God's withholding and I don't get to have fun. I want you to picture with me uh, a hill and a kid is running up this hill full tilt and and at the top of this hill, it's just a blind cliff that it's just a sheer cliff and a drop off. And it just, it's rocks in the bottom. And this kid is running there for all they're worth. And you know that on the other side of this hill is a sheer drop off and that person's going to be hurt. So my question is this, is it better to put a fence at the top of that hill or is it better to put a hospital at the bottom of that hill? The reason I say that is because the things that that are in scripture are like the fence to protect us from going over and getting hurt. So yeah, are there things in the Bible that say that there's some things that are damaging that, that we shouldn't do? Absolutely. I would be lying if I said that there wasn't. I want you to know this though. There's way more that I get to do as a Christian than what I don't do now. And Absolutely. The, the other thing is this, is it worth being a Christian? Yes. I talked a little bit about, uh, about the transformation that Jesus does in my heart. And, and, and what I mean by that, if you don't know, is this, the person that I used to be, Brad, I'm still me, but God has actually changed the appetites that I have and, and not just for food. You know, this isn't like, I like olives now and I didn't praise the Lord. This is more like, I never say that I don't get to go, um, what? I don't get to go drink like crazy. Now my honest, the honest position of my heart and of my mind is, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't have the desire to do that. It's not something that is, is appealing to me anymore. And if at some point I share a little bit of the testimony of my own life, then you will know kind of what I've come from in regard to that. So is it worth it? Yeah, it's very much worth it because I never thought I would be free from some of the addictions and things that I had in my life that I'm now free from. I never thought that I would get the joy and the peace that I have in my life, even when situations are crumbling around me. I never thought that I would have someone so close that I could talk to that I would never be alone. And frankly, I never thought I would have so much fun. I really didn't. And being a Christian has led me to places I never thought I would go. I've got to do things and meet people I never thought I would get to. And, and I've met, you know, teenagers and young adults and, and seniors and, and have had this community and family that I never thought I would have. So do I think that being a Christian is worth it? Absolutely. It is worth it. 
And and as far as the the cost, because some people will think, especially if you're not like I, I grew up a Christian, so I've never known I've never known the life outside of that. You know, my family was Christian, all that stuff. But for a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, there's a life I'm living here now, and I'm gonna have to give up a bunch of stuff. And that's and that's true. There are things that you might have to give up. But something to think about is the fact that um, everything of value has a cost. Everything. Whether yeah. it's like, you know, a, an actual thing, like a sports car, that has a cost. You have to give up something to get that. Um, it could be a skill. Like if you're amazing at sports or something, or a musical instrument, that has a cost. It might not be a dollar cost, but it's it's time. You have to sit there and put in the work and it's and to get the reward, to get the kind of the benefit of it. And is it worth it? A hundred percent. Like, you know, you know, when Wayne Gretzky was the best guy in the world at hockey or Sidney Crosby or whoever, um, like did they, was there a cost? Absolutely. They spent a lot of time getting really good at that. Was it worth it? 110%. And that's the way that to me, Christianity is. The problem is sometimes when you're on the other side of it, you might not see all the benefits. You might, you just see the cost. Um, whereas if you're practicing to become, you know, the world's best drummer, then you can see the benefit right away. Like, Oh, I want to be that guy. Um, but so you, there's a reason why you can kind of, it's easier for you to put in that time, but for a Christian, you might not see it right away, but I promise you it's there and it's worth it. Listener, I want to say this. Um, if you're considering Christianity, if this is a question that you've honestly asked, I would encourage you um, to, to message us on our Facebook, on our Twitter, private message, you know, um, DM us. We would love to be able to have a conversation with you or, or uh, answer questions that are not on the podcast, anything like that, because uh, I promise you it is worth it. Because then we get to ask fun questions too, like, uh, what's a good number of friends to have, Lucas? <laughs> the, the, it's another Yahoo. The, 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 the context is, is there a perfect number to have? And what does the number of friends say about a person? What's a good well, number? I, I know that for Yahoo, like a lot of the time, it's, it's fun to have a goof about this. But to me, this is like a serious question because some people think they have too many or not enough. And to me, uh, I re I've read it in several places from several very, very smart people that said, if you have two to three like close friends in your life, you are incredibly blessed. And that's rare. Most of the time we have like lesser friends or acquaintances and all that sort of thing. Um, so to me, and it depends on the person, like if you're introverted, you don't need a ton. If you're extroverted, you do. But the danger there, cause I'm, I, especially when I was younger, I was extroverted and I, I, I needed to have a lot of people around me to feel like I was, you know, winning at life or whatever. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've, I'm a lot less of that, thankfully. Um, but just realize that there's not about as, if you have one or two, like super close, like super solid friends, that's, that's enough for most people. Um, and if you're just looking to get some extra acquaintances to sprinkle in there, like some, you know, <laughs> friends from school or friends from work or whatever, they're, they're not that hard to find, but if you can, but the tricky thing is, like I said, uh, in the last time we did the podcast, I think is, um, if you have those good friends, you have to maintain that relationship. You, it, it doesn't just, it's easy when you're in school because you see them every single day. But then when you get into the real world, you don't see people unless you make plans to see them. And then everybody's busy and it's a whole hassle, yada, yada, yada. You have to put in the time to do it. So the non-funny answer is, you know, if you have two, three, four, like solid friends, you're, you're golden. And you might want more and that's fine, but it's not necessary. One, one friend. That's all you need. One friend. One. That'll do it. That's it. Don't look for any more. One friend. They will come to you. You'll, yes. When you're ready for that friend, that friend will find you. And, and one, just because I know this is, is aimed towards uh, high school kids a lot, like youth and stuff. Uh, one thing to remember is if you are in high school and you don't feel like the whole friend thing is happening the way you want it to, um, the way you really, you know, it's, it's just maybe not really where you want to be. Don't stress out about that so much because when you go to college or university, I find that the caliber of friends goes up significantly because instead of your friends being chosen from a pool of people that you're just like in the same class with, um, it's chosen from people that like you have the same interests, you have the same likes, uh, you know, like, um, 
for example, the the friends I had in university, most of the friends I have in university, I still am at least in contact with. Like obviously Brad, I'm very good friends with because you know we were we were in proximity because of um, living together, but also we had all, a bunch of the same uh, interests and the same sense of humor and stuff like that. So that's a that's one that lasted. Whereas opposed to my you know my best friend from grade two, we were best friends because like we were on the same bus seat together or whatever. And as you get older, that's not quite enough to keep the friendship together. Whoa, whoa. Bus seat friendships are, are friendships for life. Those are binding moments. Friend, friendships were forged in the crucible of bus seats. Don't... There can be some pretty buck wild buses out there. So that you could really, it's like going to war, I guess. Mine wasn't quite that wild. You know, I, w- I will say this. If you're, if you're trying to find a friend, um, if, if the find my friend app is, is lit in your heart right now, um, take an interest in other people in what their, what their, um, what their interests are. So, you know, when you're talking to people, take more interest in them and, and find out information about them. Don't, don't be about yourself, you know? So if you're looking for that, I think one, you know, uh, I'm just kidding. I really do think I, I agree with, with a close friend group and then certainly more on the periphery, but, um, but take an interest in what they're about and, and you would be surprised how uh, how quickly you can make friends like that uh there's a guy named dale carnegie who literally wrote the book called how to win friends and influence people and one of his famous quotes is you'll make more friends in 10 minutes of being interested in people than you will in 10 months of being interesting to people so and i've so and that's very true people love talking about themselves because we love talking about ourselves as opposed to waiting for our turn to talk about ourselves while you're blathering on. Right. So just be interested in people, but not in like a weird, creepy way. Okay. Thanks, Lucas. Uh, we're going to take a short break for our, not a sponsor segment. And we'll be right back after this, not an ad. So today I come home for supper and I see my wife and my son sitting on the couch and my son is about to eat a piece of cold pizza from yesterday. My wife pondering what to have. She comes up with her own meal of potatoes and something else. And I decide to head down to Scott's Independent Grocery. Uh, They have right now a three-piece chicken tender meal with wedges for $5. And I highly recommend that, that you go get that. That filled my belly in a way that made my belly go, oh no. Nobody does it better than Scott's Independent Grocery at filling my belly with chicken. And we're back. Brad, that is a cruel trick to play on me. It is, uh, let's see, 10.30 my time here, and I am craving chicken tenders now. Those sound fantastic, and I can't, I don't know if I'll be able to concentrate the rest of this thing. Well, you know where to go if you want to get some. You can stop, stop in and visit. <laughs> it can be one of our two times a year we see each other. Um, for the next little portion of the podcast, I'd like to spend some time looking at another one of the questions from John Wesley's Holy Club. And just to remind you, uh, I'm sure you remember, they asked 22 questions every time they got together. And these were geared uh, at keeping them accountable and keeping these things in front of them um, so that they could really grow in the Lord and be able to serve him and uh And so the question that we have today is, am I a slave to work, friends, dress, or habits? Am I a slave to work, friends, dress, or habits? Um, A a really excellent question. Media today is geared at pushing these things about making these things the be all and end all. I mean, if you if you look at those four, that's almost everything, uh, yeah. right? Uh, very broad. Very broad. Your work, you know, who you hang out with, what you're wearing when you're hanging out with those people at work, and are you lazy or are you not lazy at work? Uh, that all seemed very work centric, but why don't you go ahead and just like define slave? Because obviously. 
like we we get what a slave is just from like history and stuff. But when you break down the actual definition of what a slave is, it, it like well, no, I'm not in chains, but when you l- list out the definition of a slave, uh, it might make it a little more clear whether they are or not those things. So a quick a quick something search um, of the word slave comes up with. A person who is the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. So to me, I I highlighted those words, forced to obey. And I thought about the concept of property of another in relation to, am I a slave to work, friends, dress, or habits? Am I forced or do I feel forced to have to work and work and work and work? Or, you know, am I a slave to my friends and, and... and doing everything that they're doing? Am I a slave to the the clothes and the things that I'm wearing? Do I feel forced? I have to dress a certain way. You know, high school, junior high, college even, um, how you dress sometimes for right or wrong, no, no, for wrong, not for right, <laughs> for wrong, uh, how you dress becomes, you know, almost an identity of, of who you are and, and people will judge you based on that. And then your habits, you know, uh, Lucas and I have mentioned before that we love video games. We enjoy sitting down playing video games and that's kind of part of our habit uh, that we enjoy that or, or watching a show or, or things like that. But are we a slave to those? And, and that's a, that's a big distinction to make. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Lucas? Well, a little story, uh, like when I first got married, my wife and I, we moved to Ottawa and we didn't know anybody. Um, and she worked all day and I, uh, you know, brand new graduate, two degrees. And I was working at Blockbuster at night as, you know, as people do sometimes. And so I was just home all day and I didn't have any friends and it was, it was hard. It was hard on me and in turn it was hard on our marriage. And one of the things I got addicted to was video games and, and there's like video games are fun and I enjoy that. And it's funny because I'll talk to students about this and talk about like, you know, video games can be dangerous, but I think I have a little bit more credibility because I enjoy them. I, I've always enjoyed them and I get the, I'm not like, Oh, those video games are ruining your mind. I, there's awesome things about video games, but like anything in life, they can become an addiction. And it was me looking to kind of fulfill something in myself because I could, I had like internet friends, although they're actually people I knew or people from Bethany that you knew. And, and it was, it was fun and there's nothing wrong with having fun, but I was like ignoring my wife to play video games, um, because it was kind of scratching that friend itch that I felt like I didn't have, or just for whatever reason. So I, at that, and, and, and I've always enjoyed video games, but I've, I've played them less and less as I've, as I've grown up. And now it's funny because I used to play video games to play the video games, to beat the level, to whatever, but now I play video games exclusively to to hang out with like you or other friends. And if it's just me, I usually don't even play them anymore because I'm too busy. I I, t- I set aside time to play video games uh, to basically work on to work on my friendships and to kind of strengthen those relationships I have. Uh, and it's not super often anymore. So I I was once a slave. I would not consider myself a slave to video games at this time. I also enjoy uh, a good video game, Lucas, and I, it's been, it's been something that God has certainly worked in my own heart about the time I spend doing that and, and what I put in front of me for a video game, not only just the time, but the content of, of what I'm, I'm taking in. Um, I think a good thing for us to look at is, you know, is, is, or are work, friends, dress, or habits are those inherently sinful, you know? Because really, if we're going to get down to brass tacks, there, am I a slave to work, friends, dress, or habits? They're making a distinction here. It's not just the normal. It's not just the going to work and, and doing your thing. It's not just the normal. It's it's to a whole new level. And so I want to ask the question, you know, okay, is being a slave to those things is that sin? So if you were to open up your Bibles to Exodus. 20, you will find the Ten Commandments are there. And it doesn't take long. In fact, you're only three sentences in before you find this one. Um, You shall have no other gods before me. Well, what does that mean, Lucas? Oh, that's an idol. That's something that you, and when we think of idol, we think sometimes it's like a stone thing or like, you know, that thing from, uh, from like a movie, you know, whatever it is. But 
but it's it's anything that's more important than God. So in the first, like, do I have an idol? No, I've got nothing stone in my basement. No, that's not what it's about. Is there anything that you put more important than God? That's an idol. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I might have a few of those uh, hanging around. Yeah, if, if I'm entirely honest, there are times when I come into my office and I look at my, I've got my Bible and my devotional uh, laid out so that before I even touch work, I make sure to spend time with with God and spend time in prayer. And and I, I want to say majority of the time, that is exactly what I do. But there are times when it just seems like all of a sudden, you, you know, you sit down and you see something pop up and you start answering that and then you move on to different things. And before you know it, your whole day is shot and you go, Lord, I, and, and I work in ministry, you know? Yeah. So... To come to the end of my day and go, Lord, I didn't take the time this morning like I was supposed to. You know, I made work in ministry a slave. I, I or I, I became a slave to work. Mm. Um, and so, in this context of being a slave, I, I, uh, to me, it looks like they're making these things idols. Certainly, we know people that make work the be all and end all. I guarantee you. If you talk to these people at the end of their life, when they're on their deathbed, they are not mm. going to say, I wish I could have worked more. Right. They, they just won't. It'll be the, I wish I'd have spent more time with friends and with family, or it would have been, you know, something else. No one is going to say they wish they would have worked more. I, I know one thing for me, I've been kind of thinking about a lot over the last year. And, uh, I'm really social and I, and I like hanging out with my friends and I've always, you know, like talking, even back talking about, you know, like even, you know, hanging out on Xbox with my friends was, you know, taking precedent over my marriage, unfortunately at one point. And that's something I've like, <laughs> I've never been a slave to fashion. I can guarantee that. Um, I can you know, confirm. Habits. I can see you right now. <laughs> I can, can confirm, confirm not a slave to fashion, <laughs> not an area that you struggle no, with. It is not an area I struggle with, thankfully. Um, Work, I'm not. I'm not too bad, but friends is one I've been trying to kind of uh, reel in because, like, friends are a great thing to have. They're awesome, but but they can't take precedent over things that are more important, like my faith or even uh, over my family. And because I've I've come to the realization that you know, uh, you know, God is the most important person in my life, and I need to keep that centered. But after that is my wife, and that's right. And I have to keep that in mind because. Like in 20, 30, 40 years, like my kids will be grown and gone. And most of the friends I hang out with now, I'll keep in touch with them. But the, who am I going to see every day is my wife. And I need to make sure that that part of, you know, that I'm not, you know, ignoring my wife now to hang out with my friends because like, what's the long-term game plan? That's not a good long-term game plan. Um, so I, and I've never felt like I was a slave to my friends because I enjoy it. Right. But sure. at the same time, I, I can't let that become more important than, you know, uh, than my faith or our other parts of my life. And all these things, like you said, in and of themselves, they're not bad. It's like money or fire. They make a great servant and a horrible master. Like you can't have them owning you. Um, so that, those are things to kind of, to keep in mind. They're not, they're not bad in and of themselves. If, if you like fashion, obviously I don't, um, that's fine. As long as it's not the most important thing to you. I I would say that I've had times where fashion, dress, or just appearance, the outward appearance for me um, mm -hmm. would be would be something that I've certainly been a slave to, especially I, I knew it when I had my head shaved and my beard shaved, and I did it for a fundraiser for the youth. And I remember um, going you know to shower and get ready in the morning and having no no hair. <laughs> and and it was unbelievably freeing when I realized that I, there was nothing that I had to do other than get dressed and go. And that might sound silly, um, but I have, I, and again, this is going to sound, going to sound a little silly, but, our, um, but I would gel my, I've been gelling my hair since, my goodness, since I before I was, I moved away. So maybe, you know, 18 and stuff like that. And I spent a lot of time on my beard and on my hair and, and on clothes sometimes. And, and I like to look nice and I like to look presentable and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what kind of day I hate the most? And it, it actually irritates me on the inside. Windy days. <laughs> and, 
And and it really, it really bothers me in the inside. Windy days drive me nuts because it blows my hair around. I can't control it. And that's when it hit me. It's controlling me. That those things are controlling me so much so that they're actually taking away happiness from me and enjoying things because I'm too worried about, well, what if someone sees me and, you know, my beard's going up my nose or, or whatever. Um, so I totally get, I, I understand what that's like. And would I say that I've conquered that? Um, I, well, I spent a lot of time on my beard and hair again today, but I certainly don't fixate on those things like I did. Am I perfect? No, I, I'm not. But I don't worry as much about that. I think I've worn these shorts two days in a row now. So clearly I have the victory. <laughs> I think I think it's important to, to recognize which of these things are you most likely to become a slave to. Like, like I said, I don't really have to keep a lot of worry on dress. That's never going to be a problem for me. But it could be habits. It could be friends. Like, and yeah. it could be work. Like I do, I love my work and I know that you do too. And, and, it's, and we both work in the ministry. So it's tricky because you're like, I'm working for God. You know, that's good. But like you said, working for God can't become your God. Uh, so, yeah, that's and, right. and to walk that line and, you know, if, if God doesn't want to see me working so hard for him that I neglect my family or I neglect him. So, and those are things I've had to keep in mind. And it's my, uh, my boss, the principal at our school, he, uh, he's gone by four 30 every day. And I, and I, that's one thing I've, I've kind of taken from him. And, you know, it's not like a badge of honor to be there, there you know, there late every day. It's if you need to get the work done, get the work done. But, uh, I, I appreciate that he set that kind of thing that he's at four thirty. he's gone and he's, he's busy. He's a busy man, way busier than I am. And I'm busy. Uh, but by four thirty, he's gone because at some point, like if you're going to stay to all your work's done, you'll never leave. So yeah, at some point you have to pull the plug and go home and, and, do your work. And that's something I've been, you know, so to me, it's, I only have one that I don't have, which is dress. The other three, I have to kind of keep a, keep an eye on. Certainly with habits, uh, habits can really be anything. And, you know, obviously there's the hot topic habits, you know, um, alcohol, drugs, um, you know, sexuality and, and things like that all can fall into that. And they, there's, you know, interplay between those things and some others. Um, we really need to take time to look at the things that we're involved in and and ask the question, am I a slave to those things? You know, um, there are groups where people meet because they they were alcoholics or they are alcoholics and 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 they're trying to be free from that. And no one ever started off saying when they took their first drink, they didn't go, I can't wait to be an alcoholic. The opposite is true. When they took their first drink, they said, I can handle this. You know, this is, this is fine. And uh, I actually had this conversation recently and, and the conversation kind of went around, you know, as, a, as, as that, you know, as alcoholism progresses and gets worse and worse, when the person is in that state, they're not saying, I can't do this, I can't control this. They're saying, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I can have more, you know. Um, they are a slave to alcohol. And there are people that believe that they cannot go a day without it. Or, or, you know, you can fill in the blank for what it is. And if we wanted to, you know, um, there's all kinds of different things out there and we're, you know, we don't have time to hit on them all in this episode. We can certainly go over some of them in, in other episodes, but it is important for us to ask the question, am I a slave to my work, to my friends, to how I dress or to my habits. Now, Romans 6, 20, 23 says this, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things in which you are now ashamed? In other words, when you were doing all that, what were you gaining from it? What was the big reward that you were getting? And it continues and it says, for the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So now that you are in Jesus, that you've made him, that he is God and and these other things are not, now that that has taken place, 
You're free. You're set free from that sin. And then the fruit that you see bore in your life leads to sanctification or you being set apart for God's purpose. And then when you die, eternal life with him. But this is important. Hear this. For the wages, what are wages? Wages are the things that you earn. So if I work at something, I get paid. Those are my wages. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, so hear this. Are you a slave to any of those four things today? Then I want you to understand this. Jesus is holding out a free gift to you to be free. He's paid the debt to set you free. One of the other definitions of slave was around legal property and about ownership and things like that and about debt and stuff like that. Well, Jesus paid the debt so that you didn't have to be a slave to sin anymore and that you could be free. Um, yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. And that's something that we have to remember that something's going to take first place in your life. And whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter. Something, something is, has the number one spot in your life. And the question is, what is it? Is it God? Is it you? Are you self-centered? Is it, uh, your boyfriend and girlfriend? Is it your spouse? Is it, what is it? Is it, you know, like drugs, pornography, alcohol, something is number one in your life. The good thing is you get to choose what it is. And if it's something you don't like, then maybe you should think about changing it. And it's not necessarily going to be easy, um, but it, it is worth it. Like I said, you got you got to put in the effort, but the reward is worth it. Um, and the great thing about looking at what is top in my life, what is what is you know what do I value, is when you put those things in order, then every time there's a conflict that comes up, you know what comes first. Like for me, it would be God, my wife, my family, my work. Now I love my work. I spend a lot of time on my work, but if, if work comes up against God or if work comes up against my wife, well, I know who wins and that's easy instead of, instead of trying to figure it out on the spot every time it's like, Oh, nope, that comes first. Or, you know, my wife versus my kids. I'm going to side with my wife because I'm going to be worth with my life forever. My kids are, I'm, they're, I'm only renting them. I only have them for another 15, 20 years or so. Uh, or my wife, I got her forever, hopefully. And, uh, so that's something you got to look at. And, and it's, not necessarily, are you a slave to one of these? It's which of these are you most likely to be? So something to think about. Absolutely. Thanks again, Lucas. I appreciate you coming on the show. And um, as we do here at the Oxford Holy Club, we love to wrap things up kind of with a lighthearted question. And, uh, and this comes in the form of a hypothetical question. Now, I'd never heard the term hypothetical until this podcast. So, listener, you are learning what that means along with me. Uh, hey, Google, what does hypothetical mean? Here's the Thanks, Google. I didn't hear what it said either. Um, I'll edit that in post. You want me to tell them what it is? Oh, would you? Okay, hold on. Hey, Lucas, what is a hypothetical? <laughs> a hypothetical is a hypothetical situation, but it's like a ridiculous one that couldn't actually happen. Uh, our example of a hypothetical for today is if you had to, if you had to okay. uh, fight to the death, would you rather fight against one horse-sized duck or 100 <laughs> duck-sized horses? <laughs> Uh, I just envisioned a horse-sized duck. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it was very funny to me. Oh, it won't be funny when it's coming at you, so you got to make a choice. See, okay, so everything scales, right? So, okay, right. so so a horse-sized duck has the beak, you know, it's scaled. So that thing, you could fit inside that probably. That is the problem, yep. Now, see, to me, I would probably go for the 100 duck-sized, oh, no, shoot, horses, 100 duck-sized horses. I would yep. take the 100 duck-sized horses, grab two by the tail, and yep. and uh, go full Michelangelo uh, Ninja Turtle, and use, yeah, I to me, 
To me, it makes the most sense to go 100 duck-sized horses because you can you can use the smaller horses as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, uh, th- yes. Yeah. I, I asked this question to, to a class one time, and to me, like you, it is hands down, no-brainer, you go for the 100 duck-sized uh, horses because you just go in kicking. Like you just start punting those guys and you know, it's, it's going to be tiring. I mean, there's a hundred, that's a lot. Um, but I still would rather do that. Like you said, use them as weapons. Just don't stop jumping. Like there's all kinds of, of tactics you can use to, uh, to take out these horses. The number will get tiring after a while. Uh, but you gotta, you, I, th- I gotta think it would be easier than taking out that giant duck with those web feet well, and the big old snapper well, beak. But, but did duck, you know, did ducks actually fight? That's my question. So all uh, this time I've been assuming this is like a killer duck. But if this is just a normal duck that is just bigger, uh, you, you know, like if you walk through the woods and you scare it, you scare the ducks, they just take off. So now you're locked in a room. Uh, so you have to like once you start swinging. Now, maybe maybe the, that means whoa, you get whoa, the first whoa, whoa. kick how, for free or whatever. How did you get a horse sized duck into a room? You were sealed into it. How did I know how I got in the room? How did the duck get in the room? Uh, well, on one side there's like a door with a big like security latch. On the other side there's like a garage door, but like an armored one. I'm making this up as I go. Uh, so once you're in there, you're locked in. You got plenty of oxygen, but uh, it's just you and that giant duck. Is there anything so, else in the room? Nope, nope. Just the just you and the beast or beasts, depending on what it is. The- Although you do make a good point, like. Maybe if it's just like a normal duck, like you'll get the first swipe for free before it gets mad. Now, you asked how angry they are. I do know that geese are notoriously violent. Right, but that's like, a goose. This is a duck. Yeah, I, I know. I understand that. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm still listen. going for the horses. Now, keeping in mind, horses, they've got the kick and they've got the bite, which I imagine is going to be real not great. And. Um, so, so I'm trying. I'm trying to scale the room in my head because if you got a hundred duck-sized horses, I've got to think in a room with you and this horse-sized duck. There's probably not a lot of room. So let's say it's the size of a gym. Let's say it's the size of a gymnasium. Okay, man, you got some maneuvering room. So, I'm still going with the hundred duck-sized horses. I think you can use the horses as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, I think you grab them by again by the tail or by the back hooves and. And you just, you know, you just nunchuck, nun, nun horses. And how bad <laughs> now, are you going to feel? Now so I'm picturing what? horses in nun outfits. But anyway, uh, 100 <laughs> nun ducks. Nope. Duck size nuns. Duck size nuns. <laughs> oh, that's foul. <laughs> Did you say that was foul? What? No. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I wonder what the listeners think. What would they do? Well, listener, if you're still listening... <laughs> Uh, why don't you tell us what you would do? Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 10 duck-sized horses or the third option, apparently, a hundred, a hundred duck-sized nuns? Yeah, with one of those like slapping rulers that they're kind of known for. Oh, heavens. Well, <laughs> thanks again for listening to the Oxford Holy Club. We hope that you've learned something. We hope that you've enjoyed your time. We hope that you've laughed. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. God bless.